Welcome to Choir Talks. What is the greatest prayer in the Bible? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us what the greatest prayer is, but if I had a vote, it would be John chapter 17. That contains the prayer of Jesus on the night before he was going to the cross. So John 17 is super important to me because you have the Son of God speaking a long prayer to his Father on the night before the most important moment in all of history at the cross. John chapter 17, he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. Uh, the hour has come sticks out to me. And if you've been reading uh, the book of John anytime recently, you will notice that phrase because it happens several times in John where he says, my hour has not come or the hour had not yet come for Jesus. But now finally in chapter 17, he says, this is it. The hour has come. And, and what has come? His moment to go to the cross. And so he says, glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Jesus starts this greatest of prayers uh, praying for himself, but he doesn't pray for his own comfort. He doesn't pray because he's about to go to the cross and go through great suffering. What he prays for is God's glory. Glory is another one of those important words in this prayer. Eight times uh, he mentions the word glory in his prayer. Five times here right in this first part of his prayer. So what is, his, what is this glorify your son? That's referring to the cross. The cross is his glory. In the cross, he brings the glory of the Father through his sacrifice, and God glorifies the Son by accepting his sacrificial death for the payment of all the sin of the world. He asks for glory so that he can, in return, glorify God. He goes on to say, for you granted him, and he's speaking of himself in the third person, for you granted Jesus, him, authority over all people so that he might give eternal life to those you have given him. Here's another aspect of the glory of the cross. It brings eternal life to his believers and to you and to me. And, and then he goes on to describe eternal life. In the next verse he says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. When we think of eternal life, uh, usually our definition has something to do with time. We focus on the eternal part of that phrase. But to Jesus here, when he thinks of eternal life, he thinks of a relationship. He says, this is what eternal life is. It's knowing you, uh, Father. It's knowing the Father. It's knowing the Son. It's the relationship that is most significant about what we have with eternal life, not the length of the time, but the relationship and having that life in the Father and with the Father and that we know him. And then he goes on to say, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So at this point, all of his miracles and the work of that is complete. His teaching to the masses is all complete. His preparation of the disciples to, uh, to carry out uh, this evangel evangelization of the world is now complete, and his road to the cross is complete, except for the actual cross itself. It is the only thing that awaits yet uh, his, his awaiting glory. And then he says, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. 
All right, then he shifts gears from praying for himself and for God's glory through him, and he starts to pray for the disciples. He says, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of this world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. And now they know everything that you have given me comes from you. So he says, uh, the important phrase here that sticks out to me is, I have revealed you. I, he came to earth not only to go to the cross, but to show us the Father in his life. And so he says, that, that part's done now. I've revealed them to you through my words, through the way I've lived, and through the love I've shown them. I've revealed them, uh, you to them, so that now the disciples can understand some of the nature and the power and the plan of the Father because they have been with his Son. And then in verse eight, he gives us one of he shows us one of the gifts that he has has given the disciples and given us in turn. He says, "For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. I gave them the words." All right, here's a great gift. One of the gifts that is mentioned here in this prayer is that he has given us the words that God has given him. The words that he spoke were powerful. If you think about it, it's the words of Jesus that the disciples repeated and that they um, they processed and then interpreted through uh, letters and, and to the churches. It's those words that changed the world, that brought life and brought salvation to people all across the world and they're still changing lives and changed our lives. His miracles proved that he was the Messiah, but it was his words that helped them believe and us believe that he is God. And so uh, he mentions that word belief. He says, I, I gave them the words and they accepted them. They knew certainly that I came from you and they believed uh, that you had sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. That really blows my mind. Glory has come to me, he says, not through the great miracles I did, not because I gathered huge crowds and spoke to them. He says, glory has come to me through the disciples. It's crazy to me that uh, the Father's plan is just centered around us. It is centered around fragile, fallible people. Um, and yet it is through uh, us living out this God life and speaking the words of Jesus uh, that, that brings glory to him in this world. All right, so we have, uh, in the beginning, he told us that we have his life. We have eternal life. And then he told us that we have his words. Um, now, here's another gift, another thing that, that he tells us we have in the Father. He says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they, the disciples, are still in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name. All right, so he prays for their protection. Again, he doesn't pray for their comfort. He doesn't pray for their success uh, or their well-being even, uh, except that he prays that they would be protected. That implies to me that Jesus knows they're going to be attacked. He knows that, and so he prays for their protection. But notice where the protection comes from. He says, uh, protect them by the power of your name. See how that word name reoccurs. By the power of your name, the name that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name that you gave me. Here's what we have. We have the name of Jesus. 
if you think that name is not important and not powerful, see here in this prayer that Jesus saw it as the power that protected the disciples and that protects you and me. It is powerful here in the eyes of Jesus. We often end our prayers sort of by rote with that phrase, in the name of Jesus. But we should pray that deeply and understand that it is the name of Jesus that brings power to our prayers. It is the name of Jesus that is our protection. It is our hope. Notice also, um, he says that um, protect them, and, and there's a reason he wanted them to be protected. He says, so that they may be one as we are one. He points out several times in his prayer the unity between himself and the Father, and then he prays that over these disciples. It is important to him that they're protected so that they can show unity to the world. Hang on to that thought because we'll talk more about that at the end of this prayer. I'm going to stop right there for this week. There's so much in this prayer, and I'm only halfway through this chapter. So I'm going to do a part two next week to finish this great prayer. Check with me next week to hear the end of this perhaps greatest prayer in the Bible. Have a great week.